This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. David Housel said it best, the whole of the Auburn experience. It is what we live and breathe every single day in this experience, but it is all about our sports, it is all about our culture, and it is all about our family. And because the Auburn experience is all about family, I got to have an Auburn family member with me back again on episode 38, the best co-host in the land. Mr. Austin Scott, what's going on? Oh, you're too kind, Kyle. Uh, Warrior to you, and happy another weekend of coming to a close. Uh, another big Auburn weekend, whether it be you know checking out things that are going on or or uh, physically on the plains, big Auburn weekend, and uh, plenty plenty to talk about for our episode 38. The elder of the Carlson brothers. Uh, I wouldn't say more successful. Well, he's 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 more successful well, in his. He, in his uh, occupation now and, and yeah. he's proven himself Anders is going to get that chance uh, yeah. but time yeah. frame wise yeah yeah that's right so it's just it's just older brother perks but uh Daniel Carlson episode number 38 so this is going to be a good one of course record it breaking uh it's going to be a Legatron 5000 or 6000 <laughs> I, I kept moving up the like 1000 2000 every time he got better and better so I forget where we ended up at by the time but every time we would call him out it'd be like Legatron 6000 or something like yeah. that <laughs> um I don't know I, I I miss having a Carlson on the well we had Parker Carlson on baseball uh, with this past season so I guess we were still and Anders was here this past season too but it's just gonna fit you know like sometimes you have these I, I guess family members but just groups of people that it just feels weird if they're not physically a part of a program the university anymore you know what I'm talking what I'm saying oh yeah I mean it's been let's see Daniel started in 14 so it's been almost 10 years that a yeah. Carlson brother has been, and then they had that one overlap year, redshirt year for unders and Daniel's fifth year, I guess. But um, yeah, no, it's weird. It's going to be really weird this year to see. I think Evan McPherson will be the the kicker, which is even weirder because he's like five, eight and the Carlson brothers are tall boys. <laughs> Let me just say this. So uh, <laughs> look, everybody knows this, you know, kickers aren't known for being the most physically impressive people out there i can say that without you know feeling bad about saying because i was one of them in high school um and you can just look at me right now and say yeah you clearly look like a, like a kicker and i take no offense to that i don't think any kickers take offense to that um at a day this past year i remember um evan coming out and just being like or excuse me alex evans's I brother say, I, do, you know, I do this I, all the I time did that. I, I am that so first. sorry I'll, alex i'll take that one because i did it first Yes. And see, I think that's why I did it. So I, I'm, you are actually going to take fully blame on that when he gets yeah. mad. But Alex, when he came out, I just said, what, what's the little five-year-old doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I would look no more intimidating out there. Uh, we're happy to have, as long as you make field goals, I don't care how tall, how short, how whatever you are, just Put the ball through the uprights is all I got to say, because Lord knows the last couple of years, all we could do was rely on our field goal kickers. That's true. This has been a very fitting start to our Daniel Carlson episode, talking a lot about kickers. So I hope, yeah, we've, I mean, made, I hope we've made them proud. Well, we have a great history of those. And what we need to do, we always talk about this. We're about to be in summer. It's a great segue mm-hmm. in the way to these type of topics anyway. We're going to need some like just interest piece to talk about where there's not a lot of news to generate. We're about to hit that. But uh, we could definitely do like a top 
whatever kickers or talk about the last few so many histories of, of kickers and stuff like that. But using that to segue over, the calendar year for athletics is not done, folks. I just want to remind you, this is my PSA, annoying PSA as I always do. Most everybody is shutting it down, saying, hey, look, it's over. We're already writing our articles. It wasn't that great of a year. Folks, track and field is still in the hunt, not technically for a national title because they don't think they have enough numbers, people they're representing to get that type of score they need to be a national championship team. But we could be bringing home some medals at NCAA championships this week. So can I just give me the one segment here just to talk about that for just half a second? I think that's fair, right? That's well, that's plenty fair, and it's the truth. We're not done. Those are important people of the Auburn family, of the Auburn athletics community. So uh, they work very hard, and yeah. so they, this is their week to kind of put it all together. And, and there's plenty there that will be representing Auburn, so they deserve our support. And quick shout out, I'll give one uh, here on the show. He actually has his own YouTube channel, Don Tavius Hill, one of yeah. our high jumpers. Uh, he was at Fusackley's this uh, weekend where I and uh, Clint and his wife Autumn went to dinner after uh, a baseball game, which we'll talk about here shortly, um, and saw him there. And if he had not been busy with others, I would have you know, said something to him. But give him a shout out that he's out there amongst the people hanging out and stuff, getting some so, Fusack, fueling up on Fusackley's before he jumps really high. So Fusackley's was your chicken tender of choice this weekend? It, it was not my choice. It's not my choice. That's all that's I'm saying. Gonna, that's going to be a summer topic, too. That, that's that, listen. listen. <laughs> don't. It, don't. Don't. Very <laughs> interesting, Kyle. I, that, listen, I think I gave the choice to Autumn and Clint, and I think they purposely chose that because they know what that mm. topic means to me. Anyway, mm. that, that's for a, another day there. We'll get into some of that. I do want to address this because we don't often get to talk about these right after they happen. So this is a little bit like breaking news time-wise. A commitment just happened. Uh, another addition to the 2023 class, Trevon Reed. Are we done yet? Clearly not. Um, a defensive back, Juco Tyler Junior College, I believe. Um, there's some debate about whether I think somebody did not meet eligibility requirements, which has opened up that spot. I don't know that for a fact, so I'm not going to definitively say that. But uh, are you shocked that we're taking yet another person in the 2023 class? No, look, I mean, recruiting goes all year round, 24-7, 365 these days, right? So, you know, it's, you got to adapt. And, and if it's true, like you said, maybe somebody didn't quite meet the grades they needed to or, you know, if those things come and get, can be very flexible this time of year, uh, you got to fill spots where you got spots if you want to yeah. get better. And so um, the, the staff sounds like they did that. And, you know, I'm never opposed to some JUCO guys with, with experience on a lower level. Um, and just just ready to take that next step up. So uh, look, looks looks like a good good uh, addition to this secondary. Yeah, and I think um, it, it's one that I think a lot of people are surprised that we're taking. And if if you're on message boards and stuff like that, you'll probably understand why. Just the numbers game and things like that. But uh, it it's been interesting to see this class take shape, and I'm even more intrigued to see what it. It's going to do for this season. A lot of people are getting their hopes up based off just the pure speculation game of winning in the recruiting trail. And that's a big part of it. But you got to be coached up and you got to go out there and get yep. the results. Uh, just look at Texas A&M last year had every asset known to man, uh, five stars galore. And they couldn't beat us. <laughs> they yep. could not beat one of the worst 
coached Auburn teams in quite some time. And that was, I'm not saying that about Cadillac because that was his game actually, but what Cadillac had to kind of squeeze out of what was the program last year was, uh, was pretty tough. Uh, we're going to get into our big segments here in a second, but I want to kind of use this to start off here. We will be talking about baseball and the regional, the Auburn regional specifically. I got to watch from the parking deck and boy, did I have a great time up there you actually got to go watch at least one auburn the one auburn game right or did you get to both of them i did not i didn't get to watch either auburn game in in the stadium that's right because you came for the first game and we you... um yes we took the boys as we have discussed on this show my cousin <laughs> plays for sanford uh and we we got which jersey three... did you wear in the sanford versus southern <laughs> miss game round one uh, I wore my – I did wear my Auburn T-shirt, but I had a baby on top of me, so no one could really see that. Mm-hmm. And I wore my Sanford hat, um, and, and the they won that game. <laughs> Sanford never got to play Auburn, unfortunately, so we never got to have that conversation on the show this week. That would have been um, fun. Which would have been fun for – because it would have been Auburn won a game. Uh, but we, I got to go inside and just be, you know, a part of the regional, like I think yeah. we were getting to. And, and just – it's always – I mean, it's so fun. I got to do that last year some for Auburn games and non-Auburn games. And Plainsman Park, you know, it's getting upgrades, and people always have said it's kind of falling behind. Plainsman Park is a beautiful place for base college baseball, and it always does a really great job, especially regionals, but just hosting teams. Uh, and it just – it was no different this week. You know, just beautiful weather. Um, perfect game, perfect atmospheres for baseball, um, and heard heard a lot of different fans say that as well from other teams. So um, it was just awesome. I, I love college baseball. I love getting to just watch baseball, um, and in a place like Plainsland Park, we're we're truly blessed as Auburn fans have a, a a stadium like it. Yeah, and I'm glad that you got to see that that the true perspective of being at the regional game, being even if it wasn't for the Auburn game, just sure. sitting there. Um, I was not blessed with that opportunity, but the parking deck is quite a view if you get the right oh, yeah. area. And I had to to fight and claw for that. Uh, but uh, I, I have a lot of people I should give shout outs to some uh, fellow fans that I met up there. I'm just not going to have all their names at the top of my head. So, you know who you are if you're watching or listening. And thank you so much for allowing me to hang out with you guys all. Well, not all weekend, but for the two days that it was relevant to be there as an Auburn fan. I am so happy that we we're historic in having back-to-back uh, hosting regionals. Auburn baseball was not supposed to do this this year, Austin. They were, I think, seventh in the West, dead last is what the predictions were. I think 12th overall. This is probably just one article, but you get the gist, right? Auburn baseball was not supposed to be anywhere near postseason play on most people's standards because this was a rebuilding year, everything they lost in the draft, you know, transfers, whatever. Right. That was the expectation. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so here we sit, Auburn just hosted for two years in a row, which is historic. It's uh, never been done before. And also posted attendance records uh, as a whole uh, throughout the season uh, again for, for a second year in a row. So even on a year, let me mind you, where no expectations and kind of got off to a rough start in SEC play, found their stride, really found their stride, and have had a less than ideal end to the postseason play, including the SEC tournament. 
all things considered, if you had told me we'd be sitting here talking about this complete story now for Auburn baseball, I would have just laughed at you because of some of the things that were and weren't going on and what wasn't working for Auburn baseball. So when I, we're kind of using this segment to kind of to put everything in totality. When I look at the whole sum of Auburn baseball for 2023, I'm fairly pleased to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I don't see why you shouldn't be, uh, you know, a lot of debate on should Auburn have been the one to host the regional and were their numbers up there with everybody else's and, and then using their 0-2 exit as a justification that they shouldn't is kind of silly. But to see this team, like you said, historically, uh, which Auburn has had great teams in the past, teams that have made it the College World Series, you know, before Butch Thompson, teams that have made it in Butch Thompson's tenure and he's been here eight years, but to host the regional back-to-back, for the first time in program history is like you said, historic. And so um, it's, it was, I do consider it a successful year because you were, you, you know, going into the NCAA tournament, you're a top 15 team in the country. Like, and that's by someone else's metrics. I don't care who's on the chair of the committee or not. That's what other people have decided. And so, yes, is it really, really unfortunate? Maybe Auburn peaked too early. Maybe Auburn just, fell flat at the wrong time. Yes, yeah. it's very unfortunate. It is very sad uh, that it fell that way. But, you know, like we've talked about many times before in things that just don't make sense sometimes, that is sports. And that is why it's really fun to watch and really fun to uh, be a part of and follow and get invested in because you never know what's going to happen. And, unfortunately, Auburn kind of reverted back to maybe the early season in the regional this weekend and just could not find enough hitting and pitching and putting them together at the right time. Um, but in like, as you mentioned, in totality, an incredible year with another string of incredible memories for us to remember with some great seniors and some great players who will be putting on the jersey, who already put on the jersey for their last time. Uh, you think about guys that Auburn fans have just come to absolutely adore in Case and Howell and Bryson Ware and Cole Foster and these guys that have now will now be done. And so it's, it's exciting to be able to follow those guys. We talk all this time about how great Auburn fans are about following players in their next ventures. Um, but those guys will not be coming back to Auburn, but we have memories of them that will definitely serve us for a while. So in totality, a great year. And, and just because it fell flat at the end of the year and um, didn't turn out the way we wanted, you know, it doesn't make Auburn a laughing stock. It doesn't make Auburn, this like only there of course Auburn would do this four regional hosts have been eliminated at the time of this recording and probably more on the way like yeah it's just sports in college baseball I just I hate how much we like get invested in this wild ride that oh Auburn of course Auburn Jabba all this dumb I hate Jabba Kyle I'm I'm so tired of the way Jabba is used to describe Auburn it's, because it's, it's not lazy. true it's, it's lazy. lazy. It's very yeah. lazy, and it's been around for decades that it just doesn't make sense, and people want to use it for whatever they want to use it. Here I go. You can take it away. <laughs> I can feel you just ramping up throughout yeah. that. I was going to let you go as long as you wanted to. <laughs> Bringing it back to what we were talking about, though, uh, with this team and just this whole idea of them even making it here based on how things were going. You, you brought up the topic of people saying, Auburn didn't deserve to have a regional and then trying to use just because they were one of the first ones out as a host as justification for it. Well, you, you laid it out right there. There are what four at this moment and many more, at meant, least well, at least a few more on the way. Potentially it, it is a very competitive field yeah. this year. And we, I think 
I know on a either Wednesday night show or something, you and I didn't get to talk about the opponents on last week's episode, but we talked right. about being a 13, likely a lower we seed. Yeah. We yeah. were going to be able to have some tougher teams here. Sanford is that way. Penn is clearly that way. They are in the this is the recording of this podcast at, on Sunday evening. They are in the driver's seat to win the. Let me say that again, folks. The lowest seed in the Auburn Regional. Yes. Is in the driver's seat to win the whole thing. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah, that's how crazy this. So that's that's not an Auburn thing. Of course, Auburn would do that. That is simply that is sports. The competitiveness of this regional, the competitiveness of this tournament thus far, and that's frankly, I'm happy. I'm not happy. That Absolutely suffered, yes. but I'm I'm happy for the competitive nature of which we're yeah. seeing. Shouldn't we all want that? Like, shouldn't we? We all love in March the Cinderella stories. Should we not want, which we all hoped NIL would kind of help this? Should we not want the parity to be just yep. even across the board? Like, Penn is an incredible. That Penn has one of the best pitching staffs I've ever seen. Um, you know, not ever. I shouldn't. That was a little too much. Okay. Penn has one no, of the let's, best. Let's pitching go down staff now. All right, listen, <laughs> let's, let's... of the year that Auburn's seen, like the. You know, you kept thinking you're going to get out of their bull- out of their starters, and they just kept coming. But we've seen four seeds like Ryder is another one. Who who the heck is Ryder? And they're you know playing in the Virginia regional or, or maybe one of the East Coast regionals, and they're in the same boat. And so, you know, the underdog story of these teams is something we should all enjoy, and 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 not just single out Auburn for because that that's not accurate and it's just dumb. Yeah, it, it is it is very dumb. I will tell you this, just kind of talking about the wrapping up the whole Auburn regional, and obviously right now our recording that's not finished yet, but the Auburn part of it, fans showed out in a big way. Not just Auburn fans. Uh, mm-hmm. Miss Southern Miss fans traveled really well. So a few a little too rowdy from my vantage point from where I was looking. I think they could have understood yes. a little bit more where you are. That's you know, the that truth. type of thing. Uh, Penn had a nice little section up there that was pretty loud when they had an opportunity to be, and they've had a lot of those opportunities. That's and right. Sanford, you knew, was going to have some fans there because it's just down the road. I mean, obviously. Right. And they're a decent baseball uh, team, so that you knew there was going to be some support there. So that doesn't shock me. Uh, I guess it shouldn't shock me because I think maybe it's happened one time previously. Uh, but yesterday, the Saturday game, the elimination game, the inflatable pool was post- was posted up out there in the outfield, you know, clear fence section where people sit back and watch the game. Did you see that? I, I saw I saw E2C Network's posts of it, and uh, I never saw anybody in it or anything like that. But uh, that's that's quite uh, entertaining, and and you know, a good. I guess that's how you got to start the two p.m. elimination game is to figure out how to do something unique out there. My first reaction was like, what? Like, you know, just when I, you're walking by, but then I was like, I kind of love it. Let's make this oh, yeah. a thing. Let's make this like, you know, if an Auburn player hits one into the pool, oh, man. like we, there's something happens. Can we just like have that happen from now on? That what? would be fantastic. If, if it were to figure out now it was inflatable, right? It wasn't, it was, I did not go inspect it myself fully, but I walked past it. Obviously you didn't you take a swim. I did not take a swim, but it it appeared inflatable and uh, appeared, you know, like something from Walmart. <laughs> I, I would love to see not only you know just the splash. Like we, I feel like a bunch of major league parks have these. The Braves have a fountain or a lake yeah. kind of, and there's other people. If you hit it in there, there's a big splash. But 
something like that Walmart inflatable pool with a baseball coming off the bat 100 miles an hour, it might pop, and which would be really fun to see happen. So, yeah, I'm for it. Let's have the – we got to think of a nice name for it, uh, the party in the pool out there. But yeah, uh, I'm all for the pool returning. Now, it probably won't return until we hit SEC play because those February games get cold. Here's the thing. I just – I have an idea, though. You know, the, the, if people do these things in winter, the polar plunges, what if, what if some, I don't know, fraternity or something makes like a pledge or something, if they'll come to the games and oh if a home run's hidden there, they will take the polar plunge in, in the, the pool in February when the games they just, start. They just have to sit by it. And if it lands in there. That's what I'm saying. It has to be like literally the pledge plunge. So the, all the oh, young, yeah. there you go. The pledge is half light. I think this is a great idea. So if there's a fraternity out there that wants to jump on this and uh, make this a thing, I don't know. You can probably find a way to donate some money for every time you take the polar plunge. So sure. to speak. It's listen. The reality is, well, this year or the reality was a lot higher with the rate. The balls were flying from the park minus these last two games for yeah. Auburn, at least. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's yeah, let's not talk about that. But it would uh, happen not so frequently. So maybe like once or twice a year, you'd have this happen. I think it'd be a really cool thing. Uh, I, just kind of wrapping up about this. It, it is sad that what has carried us all year, the offense couldn't find its legs in these final two games. I, I thought the pitching, while not great, was not as bad as it had been in some other games. I think had the offense showed up like we expected to, maybe we still don't win, but we at least get to Sunday and, you know, maybe we could even force some Monday thing. So it was just kind of one of those things where a lot of crazy things happened toward the end of the season, a lot of good things for Auburn to get them to where they were. But Auburn was the talk of college baseball for quite some time. And even if it doesn't end the way we want it to, you should have your respect continually increased for what Butch, what Butch Thompson his coaches, the staff, the support staff, the players have done this season and have continued every year to do as a program. So yeah, I'm very proud of them. We're going to take one of the things that is kind of all encompassing. So it's going to be about Auburn football, but more so about SEC football and some of the conversations that have been happening the past week. And if you ask Kirby smart, we're talking about it too much. Of course, you know, Kirby can say what he wants these days, I guess, when you win two national titles in a row. Pains me to say that, but it's the reality in the world. It's the world we live in, folks. Uh, SEC meetings happened down in Pensacola, I believe is what it was, but down at the beach somewhere, as they tend to do as soon as spring semester starts to wrap up. I kind of think of it as the precursor to the SEC media days, kind of getting those things warmed up. Yep. But the big thing was trying to get around this topic of what is going to be the SEC football schedules when Oklahoma and Texas arrive. Originally, that was slated to be 2025. It has now moved up to 2024. So, folks, if you like the way things are done, enjoy this season because it will start not so much major changes next year, uh, but this season is the last of what you currently know as the SEC divisions and things like mm. that. Starting in 2024, Texas and Oklahoma in the mix, we will still play eight SEC games. You will have some, is what I interpret out of that, not all, but traditional rivalries protected within a rotating 
random draw of who you will be playing in those eight SEC games. So no more of every single year, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, those guaranteeds. It'll be a little bit different. We think Alabama will – well, we know Alabama, that the Iron Bowl will be preserved, but maybe some others are at risk here. Your initial thoughts, sir. What do you think about this breaking news out of the SEC meetings? Yeah, you know, a lot of people are upset about why is the SEC not going in nine games? All the other conferences are going in nine games. Because we don't need to. It just means more. You know, I I wanted to go to nine games just because I think the way – I want to preserve some of the scheduling a little better. I think that's how the best do it. Yeah. Um, however, as you said, and as Commissioner Greg Sankey said, last I checked – his quote, not mine. Last I checked, the national championship game was 65-7. to seven. I think the SEC is doing okay without going to nine conference games. Right. And everybody's saying, well, you don't need to play New Mexico Girls College on the last second to last weekend of the year. Well, we are, and we can. <laughs> so, you know, I understand both sides. I don't know that I, that's actually on the schedule, but I'll go check. No, no, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I understand both sides of it and maybe why people want to play other more games, why people don't. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what they've chosen not to do for now. You know, it, it is temporarily – the 2024 season will still be eight games. And I think that's probably what they did for that reason is just a stopgap of we can't hash all this out right now. Right. Let's give ourselves another year. You know, Texas and Oklahoma, I'm assuming we're not at these meetings. That wouldn't make any sense to me. And so let's get them in here and kind of all talk about this together. Um, but eight, I'm still okay with eight games. It sounds like it's still a requirement. You play a power five team. Um, I'm happy with out of conference power five team. I'm happy with that. I hope that stays. Um, just, I like a lot of the ones Auburn has coming up first and foremost, yes. yeah. Baylor and Miami and uh, Wisconsin, I think. Is yes. Wisconsin on the list? I know UCLA um, is. But UCLA, maybe I think you and I have just talked about Wisconsin. I, I would like a Wisconsin matchup. I'm not sure that's on the that's been on the list, but I like a lot of the ones Auburn has, so I hope those stay. Um, and I just like that you know we we've talked about how much we love the Penn State thing, and I and I think that that's been good for college football. Yep. Um, so I'm okay with eight conference games for now, and I think that's wise to just figure out it as we get going. Um, I do think it's very interesting, and it seems like the rest of the conferences are kind of going this way of no divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, just take the top two teams. Um, part of me doesn't like that. Uh, I think I'm really used to the East-West thing. Um, Texas and Oklahoma joining the league doesn't bother – like, it doesn't change my perception of the SEC so much because, I mean, it's been over 10 years, but A&M and Missouri joined, and I feel like that was the first step of getting used yep. to realignment for me. Um the divisions thing is going to be weird. Like to not have an East West. I, it's, I don't think I'll ever not think of Arkansas as a West team or, you know, Florida as an East team. Uh, that'll be, that'd be really hard to get out of my line of thinking, but all in all, I think, I don't think a whole lot of information came out of these SEC meetings that we all weren't really shocked about yeah. uh, besides just deciding, okay, we're going to delay this basically a year. Well, and I wouldn't even say it's a delay. Oh, let me just say this. Does the SEC do everything right? No. Does the SEC officiating do everything right? Heck no. Does um, everything 
every decision they make, I agree with. No, but what I have liked, and I'm going to bring up a not so fun topic, but like COVID, Greg Sankey and yeah. the staff there made a very wise choice to not overreact and were criticized for that to not shut things down. Yeah. And said, let's just, let's, let's kind of bide our time and make what we can work for now and see what happens in X amount of days, weeks, months, yep. whatever. And that ended up being the smart decision. And everybody else had to adjust the sec because we were playing ball. Nobody else was about, was ready to basically. Yeah. Same thing could be said here. While it is kind of frustrating to be like, that's what you came up with. We're just going to just still play eight games. Nothing else. At the same time, I kind of appreciate that. This is about to change the landscape of the sec even more than Missouri and Texas A&M did. Way bigger, yeah. Way way bigger implicate. And no offense to Texas A&M and Missouri. Glad to have you. Still understand why Missouri's here, but hey, we're, we'll take you. What's what's one more tiger, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this point. Um, but this is going to have so many ramifications. On top of that, Greg's already saying he is looking out there and seeing what's happening with supposed changes and addition, further additions probably going to be made by the Big Ten. In terms of becoming an bi-coastal, I don't know if that's the word, or intercoastal. Oh, wow. uh, all of those things, having from sea to shining sea teams everywhere, they may have to make more adjustments on top of that. So why would you rush into something when there's no settled changes yet? So yeah. To me, I thought this was a I would have liked to have had more to it, but I understand why this is an interim decision for the time being now to bring it to Auburn and how it affects us with this sec scheduling, staying at eight games, preserving the traditional rivalries. Now that's some, the key, some that's the key phrase here. We all know the iron bowl safe. It's the greatest rivalry in college sports. It's the greatest rivalry in sports, I will make that argument, and I probably will have a few other <laughs> people disagree with that, but I'll say it here on an Auburn show. The Georgia rivalry, the LSU rivalry, may be in jeopardy in terms of an annual matchup. Your thoughts on that, if that becomes a reality? Yeah, I, I mentioned I like nine games more because of, of the scheduling. Yeah. I think the, the three permanent and the six rotating, so you get all the all the teams makes the most sense to me. Just because I want to see all the teams, I want to see all the stadiums. I think a kid in the conference playing football should get to go to and have a team come to him at, during his collegiate career. That just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how we got away from that and we're playing Florida every fifteen years in the swamp. So I think that that is what makes sense to me for that. However, the it sounds like the best thing for eight or not the best thing. The, uh, the way they want to pitch it for eight is you keep one and the other seven rotate. And that's how you get everybody in. Uh, I still like that you get everybody, but there's some big time rivalries, quote unquote, or, or historic games that are matchups that we will not get every year. Auburn, Georgia is the deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, to not play that game every year. I know some people are like, oh, that's fine. I'll let Georgia go for a year, every other year. We, that's an automatic L. Okay, this this is way bigger than what is yeah. currently happening at Georgia. To let that game go doesn't make any sense to me. Um, 
So I hope that's not the case. I'll even go as far to say that with Alabama-Tennessee as well. That's a very historic rivalry that a lot of people feel strongly about. Um, you know, Oh, it's a rivalry off- again now that they've won one? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the la- where were you the last time Alabama beat Tennessee? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> the, I can't either. <laughs> Two years ago, I don't have a clue. Um, the the other ones that, you know, it hurts me to think about Auburn and LSU not playing. Like, that's yeah. crazy. But then you think about, well, when Auburn and LSU might not play, Auburn needs to play Florida again. Yep. Remember, remember those from, you know, yep. those come back. So those are all kind of interwoven for me um, outside of Alabama and Georgia. But um, – there's pros and cons to it, and the and the biggest thing is that nobody, not everybody, is going to be happy. It doesn't matter what they decide. Right. And Vanderbilt is going to get absolutely pummeled. Oh. It's just like it's just going to happen. They're going to have to play Alabama every other year. They're going to have to play Georgia every other year. Um, you know, everybody's going to be starting to pitch their forks in. We're the permanent. We're our traditional rivalry is with Vanderbilt. Yeah. Everybody's and I don't know who's. I guess. I guess Tennessee is going to get that. I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah. Um, so I don't know. There's pros and cons to it. Personally, I would love it if we can just play all the teams. That's all I've ever wanted from the SEC scheduling is let us play all the teams more frequently. Yes. And it sounds like that's where we're heading. Yeah. So if we could kind of, what I hear you saying, and I, I agree with you too, is that yes, Alabama's safe. Auburn and Al- Iron Bowl is safe. Georgia, to me, I wonder, would there have been a different situation had there not been the Florida and Georgia rivalry, the Auburn and Georgia rivalry? Yeah. There's a couple of teams, and we'll throw Alabama, Tennessee. There's a couple of marquee teams with double rivalries that kind of throw a wrench in this. And so I think that's probably why you saw the hesitation there. If we have to give up LSU, I won't say I'm fine with it, but if it gets me Florida more frequently, good. If it gets well, me ten- Tennessee more frequently, good. Yeah, I will that's take another that. good one. Yeah, it, and it's and it's not even really giving up, right? It's just you 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 have an off year. Um, yeah, and and the, I think that's what people are kind of confused by is like, oh, we're not going to play LSU. No, you will. It'll just be in the even years or in the odd years, and then the other years you get Tennessee, like you said, or Florida, or someone you don't normally get to play, um, which I I think would take some getting used to, but. To me, it's not that big a deal. Like LSU and Florida, those are both Auburn rivals, you know, B rivals, just because, you know, we don't have as much of a want to beat them as Alabama or Georgia. But um, so I, I don't see it as that big of a deal of losing the LSU rivalry. Yeah. Hey, and we got the the streak broken in Baton Rouge from a yeah. former head coach. So, you know, look, if we want to end on that, I'm good. You know, let's just Yeah, uh... that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to suddenly end it there. Well, I guess technically we've got to go there this year and maintain that, make it a streak. But either way, yeah. you get my point. SEC scheduling, it's not finalized. This is just a placeholder until we get to 2025. But at least we know where we're heading for the immediacy and with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and who knows what else is coming down the pipe, at least know for the time being where we're heading in the most recent, recent uh, seasons that are going to be coming up here. Can I bring up one more small thing about SEC meetings? I'll I'll allow it. Just to get your, your very quick take on it. The change of the fines of storming the field. You, you will no longer pay the SEC office. You will pay the team you just stormed the field on. 
if money was an issue, right? I, I don't think money's the issue. I, I personally, I see that. I see why they're doing that. Yes, I see why they're saying like, oh, this will be a detriment. But what a flex! I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, when I when I say that, I'm not saying like, okay, well, that's that's an interesting twist on this, and it makes it yeah. for some people for the the decision. When you sit back after the ramifications of rushing the field, you're like, oh crap, we just, yeah, we just paid we gave them, yeah, money. But God, we got that win anyway. So it's just like, right. it doesn't do anything to solve the biggest problem of it. You know, like to me, it just it makes it scarier. But if people want to rush the field, you try stopping eighty-seven thousand people onto the field. You know, just nobody's thinking on the last week in November about. Oh man, you know the athletic department's gonna have to pay them if I do this. No, I'm gonna. Oh, here we go yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's not my money. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, yeah, you, like you said, uh, weird flex, but it's probably a good flex. We'll find out if it makes a difference. I'm fine with it. Yeah, we'll see if it works. All right, folks, that's gonna do it for episode 38, the Daniel Carlson episode, and we appreciate you joining us, hanging out with us, being part this little family within the Auburn family on your way out. If you want to find me on social media at Kyle Loomis 24 on Twitter, where you can find me or you may find you Austin at Austin G Scott, Twitter, Instagram, all the things is where you can find me. And, uh, episode 39 next week, I'm going to need some help probably. So yeah, come at me with him if you got him. Good luck with that one. Help him out on social media folks until we talk to you again. Or Eagle. Or Eagle.